Welcome back to Something Private, a podcast for Southeast Asian women by Southeast Asian women, exploring conversations around health, the self, community and love. My name is Nicole and I am your producer and host. Hi guys. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to another episode of the Nick Kim column. It is a special episode today. As you can tell, usually it's just the two of us. Yes. We have a um, special guest to like, share another perspective that we have rarely heard on this show. Mm-hmm. And that it's is the male, male perspective. perspective. I think that it's good for us to kind of not only talk about the experiences of a 20-something-year-old female in Southeast Asia going through it, but mm. also to kind of explore what our peers go our through. Our counterparts That's feel right. like. So, <laughs> hi Christian, thanks for joining us on the show today. Yeah, hi, my name is Christian. Um, I do work related to diversity and inclusion. Um, that's my full-time job. And then on the side, I also like help with um, like facilitating dialogues on like gender. Most recently, I like facilitated some like community discussions with AWARE. Cool. cool. Very cool. Very cool. As if all Nick Kim episodes, we usually sit down to debate about like what's the most pressing or like prevalent issue that I guess our society is talking mm. about or people our age are talking about. And I think the recent one that we have spotlighted is... Yeah the whole idea of um, reviewing NS, the debate around reviewing NS, right? Especially after the AWARE director. I mean, I think it is something that comes up like every couple of years Mm -hmm. because like, I mean, after all, NS has been around for like 50 over years, right? I also feel like when you talk about like masculinity or like gender equality, everyone's like, what about NS? It's true, but I think the other incident that I guess brought this whole debate into the spotlight again is the issue of the female religious Muslim religious teachers uh, being sexualized on like an online forum and platform, right? So I think it throws into the spot like this to- whole topic of like toxic masculinity mm. and like what exactly that means. So yeah, I think we can maybe do a brief like recap of like the incident. Yeah, so Karina Lim, who is the executive director of AWARE, recently um, put out three lectures and one of her proposals was that we review national service to see how we can ensure that it's not a space where like toxic masculinity can like breed and and fester. And so I think the idea was that you broaden the definition of national service uh, and also then include all genders into national service. Um, I think her argument was this would allow toxic masculinity to kind of um, be kind of like nip in the butt almost. Mm. Um, And I think... Yeah, that kind of caused some some like issues and, and I think a lot of people kind of took offense with that. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's the issue of NS. There were a lot of factions to, or like aspects to the argument, right? They were like, oh, the issue is not like toxic masculinity or like, you know, like some people were like, NS should include women. And then they were like, no, the problem is that NS is a, is a institution that already has a lot of issues, like mm-hmm. marginalizes mm-hmm. different aspects of the community, mm-hmm. like has like racism and stuff like that also, right? So. Yeah including women into it doesn't read out like toxic masculinity, right? So I'm wondering what are your thoughts? I mean, I've had some friends who've who've had a very, very good experience in the national service. And obviously, like, on the other hand, have also had a terrible experience, you know, regretted two years, kind of wonder, like, why they had to do it. But obviously, like, it's the law, so they can't escape it. But I think, like, um, it actually, I mean, as with many, many activities that you do when you are, you know, of a certain 
like of a younger age, it's very, very easy to kind of lead to like group think, to, you know, kind That's of like true. a bit of peer pressure. So I think, um, I mean, I know quite a number of friends who allowed themselves, you know, like try out many, many different things, but it's also because like it was in the pressure of like a group setting. Yeah. So like things like clubbing, things like drinking, things like smoking, but to like the negative like yeah. points. So I do think like, you know, you can all enjoy all these activities at your leisure, mm. but I do think like after a certain point, it, it becomes like you know, negative to your kind of like personal development. But you're saying that if you removed NS from the equation simply because like young people will flock together and then young people will want to be like adventurous and try things, mm-hmm. right? Even if NS wasn't in the equation, they still might face certain pressures and yeah, yeah, for sure, for do sure. these things, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These things. For sure. I mean, obviously it's not like a simple debate, right? Um, I guess for me with, with like with like national service and with thinking back to national service or, or, or rather why I guess I can understand or why I also believe that like, yeah, national service really maybe is something we seriously need to re- re-examine, right? I mean, just even the whole premise of national mm. service should be re-examined. But I think for me, why I feel so strongly about it is because I guess in your example, the people that you've, you've kind of, you've, you've kind of like outlined or highlighted, uh, I guess people who seem to be able to look back at these things kind of like fondly or know like, okay, I did some of these things, but now I understand my relationship with it. You're not necessarily kind of like talking about the people who were like bullied, who were mm. like, you know, harassed. Um, who had a terrible, terrible time in national service because I think they probably would look back at national service and not necessarily be like, yeah, that was the thing that happened to me, but now I'm like, you know, processing it, right? Which is very different. And I think we need to like acknowledge that, yeah, a lot of people have like a really, really, really bad time for for various reasons, right? Like, I mean, like like what Nicole said about how like, yeah, there are just different things that come into this come into this institution, not just like misogyny or toxic masculinity but like racism mm. homophobia transphobia all those things right yeah so I, I think I think then it becomes a much bigger question mm. yeah question so how was your NS experience yeah how was my NS experience no I mean I think for me I mean I acknowledge that I think my NS experience was one that uh, was primarily pretty okay because I think I hold on to yeah maybe like quite a bit of privilege right I you know, was like pass A, so I, I I was quite fit, right, very active. So I, I I fit the mold of what a good like recruit or whatever should look like, mm. which meant that then largely I had a decent time, right? Mm. Um, the people who got bullied, the people who got harassed, were people who don't necessarily fit this mold. So, um, you know, maybe people who um, have like neurological differences. Mm. Um, or who are not, you know, physically as adept to exercise and things like that. Those are the people who got bullied repeatedly, who got harassed repeatedly, right? So, yeah, that's something that I I, I try and hold on now, la, knowing that, yeah, just because my NS experience is okay doesn't necessarily mean that that's the same for, for everyone. La. You shared previously that you are of the view that NS should be abolished, so... Yeah, I do think that you know, every time we talk about like national service with with respect to like gender or whatever, it's it's always interesting to me that we we always talk about like what NS can look like as opposed to NS existing in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I think kind of actually the both of you kind of alluded to it that like I think to me NS is inherently a place with a lot of like um yeah, toxic behaviors, but also just like toxic institutions that like yeah i think really harm people right not just misogyny but like racism 
um, you know, like I think it's it's quite known, right, that you you there there is kind of like a racial hierarchy with where you go in terms of like SAF, police, civil defense, and things like that, right? Um, on top of that, um, yeah, I think I mean I guess I have like specific views of like just kind of like military at large and whether or not conscription is is something that is still needed in 2021. My personal opinion is that we've kind of like outgrown this narrative that we're like a vulnerable state that always needs people to like defend yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I feel like that also like that in and of itself like I think reproduces like yeah this aggression or rather that you are valuable only if you can like defend this country mm-hmm. which I think then also like reproduces very specific forms of who then is capable of doing that who then is valuable right the person who is physically fit the person yep. who can be aggressive yep. and things like that which yeah like, i think we've moved past that point mm. okay okay we've been talking quite a bit about like toxic masculinity and stuff but i do want to kind of give the term a proper definition so and i think that's where christian comes into today's episode because um, christian does work around toxic masculinity in the academic space mm. so am I wrong to say that? <laughs> I mean if you can like consider like what I did in uni like. he's done academic research on this matter <laughs> he has much more than any of us so I mean the broad definition um, in general I guess online is toxic masculinity refers to toughness anti-femininity and power like upholding those three aspects and that's what defines like uh, men right but I think the, the, the idea of like toxic comes into play when the people around or like the people living around um, these individuals get harmed or even themselves get get harmed. Yeah, I just want to, I guess, kind of build off what you you said um, about your definition. And I think, yeah, I think it's, it's important that we kind of really understand the term toxic masculinity and the definition of it because um, I think a lot of people think that masculinity in and of itself is toxic or that Mm. men are toxic Mm. um, or that there are like toxic traits which I think is not necessarily like the right way to think about it right because I don't think characteristics of how you behave inherently are toxic right there isn't necessarily like this thing is inherently toxic this thing's inherently like good or healthy or whatever toxic masculinity refers to the unfair expectations that are put on what masculinity should look like Um, And that pressure to kind of attain these unrealistic standards is what then breeds these toxic ways of behaving, right? I guess, for example, the expectation that men need to always dominate or to always be on top, you know, whether it's socially or like in the workspace or even like sexually and things like that, right? Then breeds uh, or then generates, yeah, misogyny, sexual violence, violence, Um, Or, for example, uh, that men um, shouldn't necessarily um, be emotional. The pressure to conform to that means that you don't understand your emotions, you don't, like, develop the, like, vocabulary to talk about your emotions. Uh, It means that you never also, like, emotionally relate to, like, the people around you, to your other male friends. You don't have those, like, in-depth conversations, right? So that is kind of what toxic masculinity refers to. Um, and I think that's important to note lah, because I think a lot of people always jump straight away to being like, are you saying men are toxic? Or are you mm-hmm. saying that masculinity in and of itself is toxic? Mm-hmm. Which is not necessarily true. Hopefully, like with what I said, the definition then allows us also to kind of take a step back and think about, okay, actually, what are the things in our society that are allowing these expectations to keep continuously mm-hmm. being produced, right? 
um, I think that, that kind of widens the conversation then about like society at large as yeah. opposed to just like specific men. Mm. I'm, I'm curious because I think like you are exactly right. You know, the point on like that it is not men who are toxic or like who uphold toxic masculinity and it's not masculinity in and of itself. itself. But like we all kind of do it. So I'm wondering for you guys at what point did you realise that you no, know, like hey, this is not great. I think especially for Christian, I think it takes a lot of like reflection and yeah. some level of self-awareness to be like this is problematic. Mm. Let's mm. evaluate, break it down, yeah. you know, and then write a whole thesis paper on toxic sure. masculinity. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Like, yeah. Agenda to some extent has been something that I like have been thinking about, uh, you know, through, I mean, like throughout my life to, to some extent. Obviously, when I was younger, I couldn't really talk about it. But I mean, you know, I, I grew up uh, in a single parent home. So my mom raised me. Uh, my grandma also was a single mom. So I, I kind of understood to some extent, kind of like the, 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 the gendered dynamics that were going on there already from a young age. Um, I also have like um, body dysmorphia. So I was diagnosed with that. And I think uh, kind of once I got diagnosed, I, I, I kind of quickly realized that my insecurities with my body had to do with, yeah, the standards that um, people kind of reproduce as to kind of what the ideal man should look like, right? And that's why I was always like so insecure because I, I can't attain that. Mm. Um, so from very young age really I think those things were, were there but I mean it was only kind of definitely through like university like, and through having a lot of conversation that I realised that yeah I also definitely reproduce a lot of things right I mean like things like I mean I definitely used to be like yeah I used to like victim blame for sure when I like yeah I heard you know um, heard people who were like sexually harassed back in like uh, back in like secondary school and JC and being like yeah you know but then like she always goes like, you know, clubbing underage and things like that, right? And things like that. For sure, I mean, I've definitely done it, definitely. Um, also, policed how like women dress, especially like, oh, why are they dressing like that? And things like that, right? There's like a proper way to dress and things like that. Yeah, and I think it was only kind of through university, um, and through just like having conversations. I'm very grateful that a lot of people also spend the time to talk to me. But then also what I thought was quite valuable was that when I also had, I think, these conversations with other men also, mm. when they were themselves also interested in trying to unpack some of these things, unpack some of the things that they did also, right? And, and come to terms with those things that I really recognized all the things that I had done and all the things that I was like upholding and reproducing. So on the point about how individuals who uphold toxic masculinity, you know, end up affecting not only the people around them, but themselves. I think it's a really good point because... Um, one thing that jumps out at me is the fact that, like, you know, like, there's a stereotype, right, like, that men cannot process their emotions and, like, they are often very, like, rational, very, like, closed off, like, they don't show any sign of, like, weaknesses and then if they do, it's that, like, one person in their life, that one girl who, like, just can feel through all the layers and, like, get to them and, like, who is this safe harbour for them, right? And I feel like I have played that role like one too many times, mm. whether it be with like previous relationships or even like with the men that I like even casually date. And I think that, I mean, this is a personal thing. I feel like I'm generally quite an emotional person, like just by the basis of who I am. And so it's very easy for me. And I, I enjoy like um, good relationships where I can share my emotions with all my friends. So I, I keep ending up in a situation where I, I find myself becoming like an emotional napkin for the men I date. 
who cannot seem to have an outlet to express themselves. Like, mm. on the outside, they are so, like, tough. They're like, oh, you know, I'm this, I'm rational, I'm, like, masculine. But, like, they just want to have somebody, you know, in the bedroom to, like, hold them and, like, to pour their, like, sorrows to. And this is where I, I perpetuate, mm. you know, toxic masculinity. So I used to think, like, playing that role made me special. I was like, mm. oh my god, it's so cute, it's so special. Because only I can, like, untap that, which is, like, a very disgusting chain of thought. Like, and, like, after a while, it wears down on, like, me emotionally also. It's like, why do I have to be that person that provides that like emotional comfort and space mm-hmm. for them because then then who's providing that for me you know like and it's problematic when you only confide in one individual yep. and where it's like one-sided also right yep. correct yep. correct so I mean it is very much not only like an issue that they have to kind of work out also but it's something that I think I need to recognize as well it's like I cannot keep being that space and I cannot keep thinking yep, like yep. this is okay I think I have a very, like, funny example. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, I mean, back to the whole, like, toxic masculinity, the kind of, like, negative traits of it, I guess one of them is, like, that sexuality plays a very, very big part in terms of, like, how you define yourself as a man back in Polytechnic where one of my um, schoolmates was very, very, like, at that point of time, like, I guess, like, you know, we were all still, like, quite young. So, he was, like, we were all, most of us were still, like, virgins and stuff. But I think, like, he was just, like, very, very, very uh, clear and articulate about being, like, yeah, I want to get late. When I get late, I will treat you guys to a buffet, that kind of thing. And it was a very, like, strange thing at that point of time. But then at the same time, you're like, haha, boys, haha, sex. You know, they kind of like, yeah, you just, just kind of, right? you just kind of sweep it off because I guess, like, in this whole, like, idea of, like, masculinity, yes, sex is a very, very big part of it. And, like, you know, you expect them to be the ones to be like, yes, sex is a conquest and I want to, like, fulfill this. But then, like, now looking back, you're just like, and you treated people to a buffet for this? <laughs> Honestly? Yeah, <laughs> just like, who was winning in this I know, situation? I know, like, I wish that I was part of the group that got treated, you know what I mean? Like, I could have gotten a free buffet of your stupid conquest, but you know what I mean? It's like, why is this, why is it seen as such a price? Or like, you know, like, when, when so much pressure is on the guys to like perform, mm. especially like for these kinds of things, then it also creates a very bad space for them because these kinds of things are all like a summation of like your experiences and things like that. You won't immediately be like good at these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really like, not fair on the guys as well because yep. then like they're expected to be the dominant ones in the bedroom they're expected Correct. to like immediately know what they're doing that kind yeah. of thing it brings me to think about like sexuality and like sexual experiences in the bedroom right I think a very big or like growing problem is like um among young men is this whole idea of like performance anxiety I think mm. this is a it's super interesting because of the nature of what I do like I talk about like sex with quite a lot of friends, yeah, right? Yeah. And then they sometimes tell me that like, you know, they feel very pressured to be the one that like performs or like to yeah. have like an erection, for instance, right? And then if they can't maintain it, then like they feel bad or like, you know, like they have to be the one that gets a girl like excited and stuff right, like that. Right. And yeah, yeah. It, it's super interesting because exactly how like toxic masculinity comes in a conversation about like, you know, men should be the more sexual one and then women yeah. should just be the one that like kind of like submits. But yeah. In that way, I feel like there have been conversations where men tell me that men have told me that you know they feel pressured, right? And then the partner, I guess because of like a conversation about like yeah. sex, they don't know how to necessarily respond in a way that helps both of them. So they will yeah. say things like, "So I know, are you not attracted to me? Like, yeah. are you not like feeling it? Like, how come your sex drive is not not as high as mine? Yeah. Like, you cannot match and stuff like that." And they also, I guess, like perpetuate toxic masculinity in that yeah. way it's like that men should be the one that they performs. continue to expect these yeah. things yeah. and it's difficult because like in that situation I mean I have definitely been in the place where I look at like my partner and be like mm, you know it's everything okay you know like nobody tells you that you should comfort them and be like you know it's fine like yes, correct. It's, you it's don't have to like, be I mean but I do think that on, that on that point it also 
takes a while to get to the level of comfort with another individual that when you can communicate these things because it is very sensitive because I think some guys may not be as comfortable that's true that's true that's true that's true yeah so I think it's not just I mean like we can be a willing party but it's also like whether or not they are ready to receive that's true or they are very like I think on that point it's also like articulating these kinds of things right Mm. so like we can say like oh don't worry but then if the guy is not used to talking about it then they also won't be able they they won't be equipped to Mm. like have that conversation yeah Mm. I guess it's also like yeah, someone could say don't worry, but it's very different from like what you are experiencing correct, or what correct. you are feeling also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. We're taking a short break. Something Private is a podcast produced on the media publisher Our Grandfather's Story. Watch our new episodes every alternate Tuesdays on YouTube and listen to us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcast every alternate Thursdays. New episodes will be published first on YouTube and will be publishing once every two weeks this season. We've also just launched our new website, so pay us a visit at somethingprivate.fm if you'd like to share your story with us or work with us. Otherwise, you can send us a message on Instagram at somethingprivatepod or email us at nicole at somethingprivate.fm. We're immensely grateful for all the support you guys have given us and we really couldn't have come this far without you. If you'd like to keep supporting our work, become our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash somethingprivatepod. That's patreon.com forward slash something private pod. Now back to the episode. I came across this very interesting point also like about the whole idea of like toxic masculinity and like I think a lot of people when they talk about like toxic masculinity they kind of suddenly bring in the conversation oh, what about toxic femininity mm, you know that's something yeah. that we have to consider as well and it's true and I think that basically I was watching this like TikTok mm. <laughs> <laughs> this person was saying that um, and very rightfully so it's like that you know people have been having conversations around toxic masculinity for a really long time and like the academics and scholars have brought up that women can too perpetuate like toxic yeah. masculinity but they don't call it that like that's, uh, there's other terms for it like internalized misogyny for instance there's toxic masculinity for sure right which affects everyone um, in that there are just more broadly unfair expectations or these very rigid and very specific forms of expectations that we put on what masculinity should look like, right? And and not only do like men uphold that, but women also then subscribe to that, right? And and see that as valuable. Um, which yeah, is, is 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 like you said, very problematic, right? Because not only do then I guess women internalize this idea of being like reticent or like passive um, and not necessarily having agency, the men also themselves um, internalize this idea that they are the ones who should kind of always be, um, you know, kind of very like forward or, or not take no for an answer, right? Uh, which then breeds this idea of like objectifying them and not seeing them as people who actually should have a choice. The example that I have is I had lunch the other day with my friends before all this like heightened alert thing, and I think it came to a co- topic of conversation of like um, notes that were leaked when things like these happen it's always like very far away from you or like somebody that you don't really know personally. But the thing that was brought up was that the notes that were leaked were of her classmate. And my first reaction was like, oh my God, have you told her? Because I was thinking in that situation, of course I would want to know. Then she said something about, something along the lines of, no, why would she even allow her notes to have been taken if she didn't want them out there? And I got really, really angry. And this is a friend that I've had for maybe like close to a decade. I was trying to explain the concept of like, consent because she may have consented to the videos being taken in a certain situation but she obviously did not consent to like you know maybe this link like this google drive link or whatever being sent out and kind of like 
brings to mind, you know, the whole point that sometimes when when we, that when women do share notes or whatever, they are no longer seen as like people. They are seen mm. as like objects. And I think that the this kind of like toxicity does not just exist in like men. I think it also exists in women. So I think like women are also like taught to believe, or I guess like you mentioned, you know, like um, we we ourselves also like, you know, kind of police what we wear in, in to a certain extent. We'll be like, oh, if I wear this, will I be like subjected to certain things or whatever? But I think that that point also leads to the whole like, you know, when you see other girls dressing in a certain way that you may not be comfortable with, then mm-hmm. you also end up policing them. I, I think from my own from my own experiences with how different genders can um, uphold these standards back in like university. I was working at like this this like F and B place just like over summer, just like earn money. And yeah, I was I was like inappropriately uh, groped uh, quite a few times by one of like my colleagues. And so I had I was the only male in this like F and B place. I was working with like I think like ten to twelve other women, and yeah, everyone kind of it seemed like it was a deliberate thing where they were like waiting for me to like enter the kitchen after like kind of peak hours, and like everyone started laughing, and this person came and like was like started like groping me and started like grinding on me and things like that, and like everyone laughed. Yeah, I mean, I think in that moment I was just like incredibly shocked and just like like what do I do, right? You know, you I think people always kind of say that, yeah, you know, you should you should have said no, you should have said something, right? But really in that moment you're really like you're just like dumbfounded. Yeah. And then this person who 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 groped me um then said, But you should like it what? You know, you you go to the gym, you look like that all these kind of things you should like what men like these things. And I mean that is that is like one example of how all genders internalize these things, right? That men want sex or, 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 or are always kind of like so sexually active that they desire kind of any form of like sexual activity all the time right so i think that's also like one one quite yeah like quite real example of how all of us can can internalize these things and and don't even know it like and perpetuate it for sure mm. yeah mm. thank you for sharing thank you for sharing yeah yeah, yeah. a very interesting experience experience so especially since like yeah it's like a un- very unbalanced group of like yeah like in terms of like the gender ratio right i guess at least for me and how i process that is that like sure i guess within that space i was like a minority i suppose in that i was number one the only non-chinese but also then also the only male but mm-hmm. i mean i i guess i i can hold on to that fact that within that that space i was a minority but also knowing that like yeah more broadly at large i still as a male hold on to to a lot of privileges in other spaces right mm-hmm. and i cannot deny that and that's definitely something that i still need to, to balance la. that sure within this space there was a very specific gender dynamic but more largely just even now on a daily basis it's not like i physically feel unsafe or whatever right most of the time that's not something i have to think about and that in and of itself is, is a lot of privilege yeah. um, that i still hold on to and, and, and try to remind myself of mm. yeah so i'm gonna round up this conversation by spotlighting a particular tiktok that i saw uh, a couple of days ago by this creator who basically talked about how they wouldn't want to date a stereotypical Singaporean Chinese men. Basically, the, the traits of this Singaporean Chinese men is that they are problematic in the TikTok. She said, like, she wouldn't date, like, a weijie. And then, like, the traits of, like, a weijie are basically, like, um, that he, I don't know, wears certain kinds of, like, clothes from, like, 
maybe Uniqlo or like army <laughs> army 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 singular like, yeah, OCS singular kind of, that kind of yeah. guy la, yeah. yeah so I mean it, it's funny it's funny but um, I don't know it just didn't really like sit right with me mm. and and I can't really put my finger on like why that is so even though I agree with her to some, some degree so I think I, I guess to me it's always like calling out a specific group because like whenever you do you're already putting yourself in the line of fire because if you are saying it's a good problem then you are allowing yourself to ignore the individual traits that are that are the, the inherently like the toxic ones yeah so you can say that these traits are only present in like this group but it's not true because these traits are present in many many other groups that, mm. that you have not mentioned mm. yeah so that to me is a problem uh. yeah I recognize how um, stereotyping obviously is, is doesn't really help anyone. It also doesn't necessarily help. You're not all men. Say not all men even more and who believe that even more deeply. For sure, right? Um, but yeah, I guess I, I have like somewhat like a different opinion, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I mean, I number one, I think something that I've, I've, I've like I've tried to teach myself over the years also is that I think especially for, for, for women, right? I think these come from like quite lived experiences or like very real experiences. So even though the execution maybe is a bit like, would I do that? Mm, sure, maybe yeah. not. But I guess that is not necessarily at the heart of the issue. Mm. I could I could disagree with the execution, but still agree very much with, with the, the point, messaging. right? The message. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I guess, why I try and focus on lah. Um, which I guess then is linked to my second point about like the message and I guess kind of how I relate to that mm. message for sure. Um, I mean, as as like as as a non Chinese individual who also has like non Chinese female friends, right? I've heard a lot of stories about like yeah, you know, like reproducing um, racial preferences or even like very like very very toxic racialized stereotypes from from these these kinds of men. Uh, from your VTS, I suppose. Um, and and so I really understand how, like, it really can suck. La. Mm-hmm. I think also more personally, right, when I think about, like, my sexuality and my kind of, like, uh, romantic interests, what does it mean that historically also I've experienced a lot of the women that I have had feelings for, or had crushes on, end up with, like, the VTS as opposed to, like, me. Um, and then I'm always like, I'm better lah, right? But then, like, it's also like, uh, yeah. And I guess undeniably, something that always comes into play is like, is it actually my race that comes into it? Is it the color of my skin? You know, which may not be true, but that's undeniably something that I, I think about lah. Yeah, there's a very specific kind of aesthetic or a kind of guy, right? That holds, I think, still quite a lot of like privilege or, or like capital or clout in our in in our Singaporean context, that very I think neatly maps onto like the weightiest of our society mm. and so I think that is something that I still kind of like yeah I can't deny that which is why I'm like a lot more sympathetic than to like the TikTok mm, 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 mm. Fair, fair. Mm. thank you for articulating the discomfort I think that was pinpoint because I feel like I, when I watched it I was like I mean true true but also problematic to a degree yeah yeah on my very last note i do want to address something that um is i guess like very visually apparent in that i think one aspect of toxic masculinity is that like it's a rejection of like femininity i guess you defy visually some of that norms starting with the fingernails and i i I kind of want to unpack that with you like why are you so comfortable with i think like presenting yourself in this light? right yeah i mean i guess at least in terms of like how I dress, 
um, I want to point out that it's also, I mean, it's not like I've dressed this way forever or whatever, right? I mean, like, I, I, it's definitely been something that I've, I've thought more about as, as, I, as, I, as I've grown up. Um, I think it's very much linked to what I think. I mean, I guess, yeah, my interest in like masculinity and gender more broadly has allowed me to realize that it actually really doesn't matter what you put on. And I like that kind of like maybe in my own way, I try and like actively challenge what it means to dress like a man or what it mm. means to dress like as a conventional guy. Um, I also think there's something kind of about there's something around, I don't know, maybe like curating how you look that is to some extent like historically quite gendered where mm. that's not necessarily something men actively think about. I like that I'm now trying to like also explore kind of like what I think would look nice on myself. And I, I like kind of like having that space to think about how to dress that. I think it's, it's like super fun la, and I wish like more individuals like did it, right? I think that also allows me to be more creative. Um but I also just have like a very fashionable mom, mom la, who like really like, I think from a young age was like, don't wear those too baggy or whatever, right? <laughs> so like, I mean, like, like I think definitely like that's, that's, that's been internalized. But yeah, I think in my own way, I mean like, yeah, we talk about gender and we talk about how it's like a performance, right? I'm trying to hopefully do things that kind of go against the grain a little bit with the hopes that like eventually more people also feel comfortable mm. doing it themselves. Oh, but I also want to say that I think a lot of Gen Z guys really dress like... I agree. Like oh, that's true, that's true. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I young agree. boys are like... About the nails. <laughs> the high the Gen Zs like dress the... super well. They do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Gen Zs really effort. like... Yeah. 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 And I think... Life like, is a performance. Correct, yeah. correct. On that note, I guess the last thing to round up our conversation is I want to know if you have any parting thoughts to our audience who are mostly like women, but some of them are men also, to encourage them to be a bit more like comfortable with like... Be themselves. Yeah. Or find, I guess find out who you are without the fear of like judgment. I think I really resonate with what you said, but I also think it is maybe something that can be done like collaboratively also, mm. right? Like I think, I guess especially for like men who um, maybe want to explore their masculinity or want to like interrogate some of the things that maybe they've done in the past or kind of what it means to be a man now, right? I do think if you can have those like vulnerable and honest conversations with like other men or people that you trust, just doing that together, I think is very powerful, right? When you have a community where you're all kind of like exploring yourselves, but together, I think that could be like super fun and also like super wholesome and very, mm -hmm. such a supportive thing and such a valuable thing to have. La. So yeah, I think like find your community or find mm. people. Who I think adding on to that, my question is how do you create that space? One tip is just to be like quite honest. I think it's tough uh, but I think just being honest that you've made mistakes or you've done like problematic things or that like, yeah, you know, these are things I've done in the past. I still maybe hold on to some views or whatever, but I would like to be open to like actually learning or trying to like unpack these things with people, um, you know, like who who is up for that also, I think really works. I think if you start from a place of like honesty, la, it's, it's very different from me like telling you like you explain to me now and let me see if I can like debate you on those points, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's slightly different. So I, I do think, yeah, just kind of reckoning with who you are, who you've been, I think is like step one la, for me. I think uh, we brought up many, many times today, the way that you negotiate with toxic masculinity as you grow up is a very like intentional and like it's part of maturity so I think it's very very okay and it, I think it's also very important to kind of like accept that there are these traits that you may have inherited in the past like you know we've all brought up like our own experiences but it's also like 
um, the intention of stepping out of those boundaries and then like allowing yourself to kind of grow from them. Yeah. Mm. My last note is that I guess this whole idea of like perpetuating toxic masculinity is not a gendered thing. I think mm. both parties, all genders, you know, people can uphold this kind of like toxic masculinity in general. So I think it's important for us to actively reflect and I won't say call each other out, but like, you know, like engage in conversation. Yeah, yes. engage in conversation. So sweeping, but I think <laughs> it's, it's important. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also important, at least something that I try and hold on to is that like, things are not necessarily like equal in society, right? Like, I think historically, we have recognized that like, yeah, men still hold on to a lot of privileges, uh, women, other other people who express their g- genders in, in whatever ways, other gender minorities, all have historically been marginalized. So, like, I think it is important to also recognize that, yeah, you know, as much as we want to change and, and, and recognize that we're all com- complicit in, like, toxic behaviors, in upholding toxic masculinity, it can be very different. I think the, the impact is very different uh, when, like, yeah, men, men perpetuate it because mm-hmm. of history, because of, like, historical privileges. So that's still something to keep in mind that, it's, it's important not to sometimes, I guess, draw false equivalencies mm. and to recognize that, like, yeah, these, these things all have different impact. Mm. And still hold on, holding on to that, but still, like, actively challenging some of these things. Mm. 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 Thanks a lot, Thanks Christian. for coming down, Christian. Thanks for having me. <laughs>